Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jeff France, and this is the first of hopefully many of the Center Right podcast. The reason I'm calling it the Center Right podcast is because I think that that is really what the vast majority of Americans are. That um, most of us want to see an emphasis on personal liberties and freedom. Um, And we also want to see an emphasis on national security, on protecting our values, on making sure that the laws are enforced, that there's a minimum number of laws, that they don't, they're not not laws that are, more laws that are necessary, but that those laws are enforced and that they're enforced equally, with an emphasis on equally. Um, And that we don't devolve into a country of riots, looting, every time something happens that one party or the other is unhappy about. Um, So that's really what the the basis of the center-right podcast is, and uh, we're going to be having a podcast every week. I'm actually sitting here in uh, Miami, Florida. I'm an entrepreneur that has um, fought and scratched my way using the free enterprise system, capitalism. I mentioned freedom before, and uh, I use those freedoms to be able to make um, some significant success. And I feel very blessed, and I feel very privileged. Um, And what I really want to see is I want to see other people have the same right to freedom that I had. Um, We're starting to see more things like uh, an emphasis on censorship. This is happening from social media. Um, And typically it's censorship, of course, of conservative voices. And we'll get into this in some future podcasts. But... um, I believe in completely in, in uh, free expression and that uh, you shouldn't have your voice silenced uh, just because of what your political beliefs are. Um, so um, with that, I wanted to get into some things about this election. Um, and I guess the first thing is, and I'll admit that I voted for Trump this election, but... I did not vote for him last election uh, in 2016. And uh, that was a major mistake on my part. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. Um, I, it, it was difficult for me, as it is for a lot of Americans, to vote for someone whose personality you find to be dislikable. And I could not get past his personality. Um, and... That was wrong because, and I think it's important for every other American as well, is that we need to focus on substance and not style. In other words, maybe his style grates on us, but the substance of what he does has been terrific. And when you look at what he's done with the economy, when you look at the unemployment rate, um, you look at the fact that people in the middle class um, and um, ethnic people, whether the Latins, Afri- African Americans, have actually done better on a percentage basis than the wealthy have. When you look at those types of metrics, you see that the economy has 
really been doing something that has not been done in many, many, many years. Um, I think it's actually for, for Biden and Obama to actually take credit for it is very disingenuous. Um, and the reason for that is that, um, you know, it, it's very easy to grow an economy when you have 0% interest rates. You know, that covers up and that erases a lot of the mistakes that are made, uh, that are the policy mistakes that are made. Um, and um, so what he's done with the economy, Trump has, I think has been superb. Energy costs are much lower. We are um, not dependent on the Middle East, not dependent on giving money to people that, that vow to destroy us. Uh, we're not dependent on giving money to them for our energy. We're actually now net exporters of energy, people that need to drive to work, people that need to go places. They are able to do this less expensively. And what does that mean? They have more money to spend on other things. Unfortunately, there's not that many things now that people can do, but they do have more money to spend on other things. And that's important. People want to have more disposable income. And I think what you found under Obama and I think what you'll find under Biden is that there's going to be, um, as he continues to clamp down on our energy industry, you're going to see the cost of electricity, the cost of transportation all skyrocketing. Why? Higher energy costs. Um, so some might say, well, what about the environment? And I think what you'd see is that... Um, the United States has actually been reducing its carbon emissions over the past few years, including during the Trump administration. In fact, people that had signed on to the Paris Climate Accord, which the United States withdrew from, people that signed on to the Paris Climate Accords have actually had their CO2 emissions increase. Yet the United States, which withdrew, actually saw their carbon emissions decrease. So what does that mean? Number one is the Paris Climate Accords were a joke. Number two, it means that um, these, were, these were unenforceable restrictions. Number three is that the purpose of the Cl Paris Climate Accords was to allow countries that are the biggest polluters to continue to pollute and to punish the people that had been more industrialized. And that's what happened there. So the problem that, so the, the problem that we have is... Um, that um, the Paris Climate Accords were a joke and that what Trump has done with the environment and also with energy prices has really been a, a tremendous thing. National security, does anybody remember a, in the last four years, has there been any foreign attempt at, uh, I shouldn't say attempt, but has there been any foreign acts of terrorism? Not that I remember. Um, so he, he's done a superb job, trade, trade uh, policy. Um, we've been taking advantage of for so many years. I used to do a lot of business in China. Um, the United States had on the things that I was buying, um, had a zero customs duty on items that I was importing into the United States. Yet if I tried to ship my product into China, there'd be an enormous amount of regulation, 
taxes, customs duties, roadblocks. Why should the Chinese have access to our market to make money, yet we can't have access to the over 1 billion people in China? Doesn't make any sense. Needs to, there needs to be fair trade, and this has become a little bit of a bumper sticker, and it's always been a political thing that political candidates are always mentioning about fair trade, but they don't do anything about it. Well, guess who did something about it? Trump did. And he made sure that the trade rule, that trade was going to be done fairly. He made sure that we weren't going to be taking advantage of it in NATO. And that other countries would be making it, would be contributing their fair share. He came down on terrorist regimes in Iran. Wouldn't tolerate them. Um, he's done amazing things in terms of making peace in the Middle East. Look at all the peace deals between Israel and some of the, its Middle East neighbors. Bottom line, he's done an amazing job. So this year... This election, I did vote for Trump, um, and uh, he did win me over, and he won me over with substance, not style. And I think that for the for the American people, we need to be more concerned about substance than style. It's great that you have somebody that's a great speaker. Obama is a great speaker, but he was a horrendous president. And one of the things I say to my friends is this: if I had, if I needed to get open heart surgery, who would you rather have? Someone that was a great speaker? but that was essentially a butcher killing all of his patients or someone who's the best surgeon that never lost a patient that you didn't like. I know what I would choose. Anyway, um, I just want to address a few more things on Trump and what's happening right now as far as the election is concerned. First thing, I know that... Um, um, a lot of members of the media and the public are concerned about the fact that Trump has not conceded. Trump has no obligation to concede. Now, eventually, if it turns out that the votes are certified and he's exhausted his due process rights, then yes, he can, he should, and I think he will concede. But as of now, I don't think he has any obligation to do so. Al Gore didn't do it for Bush. No one was complaining then. Al Gore, uh, Bush never had access to transition funds during the period that Gore was, was uh, contesting the election. And in fact, Bush had the election results had been certified. In this case with Trump, the election results haven't even been certified. As you recall, Bush had the election results certified in the state of Florida. Yet he still didn't have access to transition funds. Um, and Gore had not conceded. So the idea that this is different is really kind of an example of something which we've seen over and over and over again, and that is the rules don't apply to conservatives. That if a Democrat can do something, but a conservative will be condemned for doing the exact same thing. And this hypocrisy really is a, is a cancer in this country. So Trump has no obligation to concede, I would imagine that maybe in years past when uh, there was no media and there were no, quote, decision desks, whatever that means, whatever joke that is, uh, it's been proven to be a joke, just like pollsters. But imagine when Lincoln was elected, did they force people to concede just because of the, the newspaper said that they should, that the person had lost? 
I don't think so. So I think that Trump has every oblig- has every right to um, get his due process rights. And that's another word that's become like a hollow phrase in the last four years when Democrats have been in attack mode. And that is due process. The only people that are entitled to due process are liberals, unfortunately. When a Republican says, hey, I want due process, they're not entitled to it. Ask Brett Kavanaugh about due process. Ask Brett Kavanaugh about equal protection under the law. Ask Brett Kavanaugh about what it means to be innocent until you're proven guilty. So he has no obligation to concede. I'm glad he's not conceding if he feels like he's got a justiciable, really substantive case to have the election overturned. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, this delay uh, in some of the vote certification occurs in early December. This 30-day delay, or even if it's going to be 45 days, in the case of Gore and Bush, it was 37 days. But this is not going to cause people to die there's already public health officials that are that have a, a vaccine plan. Um, there's a, this is not going to cause people to die. It's not going to cause there some type of of you know uh, attack on this country by foreign adversaries. The 30 to 45 days is not going to make a difference. Um, the I guess um, last thing that I want to talk about is. Um, what I call epidemics. Um, and I'm going to address two epidemics. One is the COVID virus. And it's obviously a very serious thing. Millions of people have caught it. Many, many, many people have died. And I'm going to be talking more about COVID in um, later podcasts. But what I will tell you is this. If Biden was president this year, nothing would have been better. And what I've heard about is, well, you know, there wasn't enough testing. There's plenty of testing. But what is testing going to show you? We have a disease that is very easily transmitted. So no matter what, the transmission is going to happen. And people say, well, gee, the president should be ordering people to wear masks. I'm, I, I'm inundated all the time. Everywhere I look, on TV, mask up, wear a mask. Everybody's saying wear a mask, okay? Yet I go to the mall, local mall, I walk around. People aren't wearing masks. No matter what, some people are going to not wear masks, and they're going to get infected. So the real answer to that question, as far as the epidemic was concerned, was to not shut down the country, to protect the people that are the most vulnerable, that have the most risk, to find the best treatment options, make sure there's enough hospitals, and do the very best we can to minimize to all ex- to the greatest extent possible the transmission of the virus. But the damage that was done is enormous to people. The damage was, that was done was enormous to people. And I find it incredibly irresponsible for Biden and his sidekick Kamala Harris to suggest that we shouldn't take 
the vaccines because it's from Trump. What a ridiculous statement that is. First of all, there, both of the, the vaccines went through a trial with 40,000 people. They were reviewed by scientists at each of the companies, and that's Pfizer and Moderna. Then it was taken to the FDA, okay? So the idea that this is a Trump vaccine or that he's lying about it or that it's unsafe is a ridiculous, scurrilous thing. And in fact, creating fear about this is what actually is going to cause people to die. Not the fact that, gee, Biden hasn't been included in vaccine briefings, okay? He seemed to know enough about it when he was during the campaign. He was an expert on it. But now he needs to be included in vaccine briefings or else people are going to die. The reason that people will die is that he's created such a scare tactic He's engaged in scare tactics, which is election the way elections are, but he's engaged in such scare tactics that he made people afraid to take the vaccine. The vaccine, which is between 90 and 95 percent effective. So the people that don't take the vaccine, many of them are going to die. Why? Because of needless scare tactics, politicizing a public health matter scaring people about taking a vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna, things that have been approved by the FDA scientists. And incidentally, if you think that Trump can control the FDA scientists, how well did he control the people from the Justice Department? Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Jim Comey, Sally Yates, was he able to control them? No. But somehow, some way, he's able to control the FDA. So everybody's going to lie for him. The 40,000 people in these tests, ignore it. The scientists at these companies, all lying for Trump. The ridiculousness of this, the scurrilousness of this, is really, it's, it's, it's really beyond the pale. And it shows you how far we have come as a country and how we've been taken advantage of by members of the political class, that they would actually believe this and that social media and the media would actually publish ridiculous things like this. Bottom line, if Biden was president, more people would have died. He couldn't stop the spread of the virus. You can talk about social distancing and... and uh, personal hygiene and all these other things, but people are going to catch this thing. And the emphasis is on protecting the most vulnerable, not on closing the economy, not on 15 days to control the spread, which we knew was a big mistake because it didn't. That was a failure. I've heard from many of my friends, well, I trust Dr. Fauci. Well, Dr. Fauci was wrong about a number of things. Dr. Fauci was the one who said this virus was not going to be a big deal. In fact, the flu was going to be a bigger deal. He said this, what, in January or February? So the idea that Dr. Fauci is the infallible one is ridiculous. So some might say, well, gee, you know, he, he didn't have full information. Well, he's a professional, and he shouldn't have given his opinion before he had full information. Or they may say, gee, he was misled. Well, you know, so maybe Trump was misled and didn't he have, didn't have 
full information. He certainly depended on Dr. Fauci, and Dr. Fauci was wrong. And if he had inaccurate information or he was misled or whatever, then it was up to him to make sure that he had some certainty about what he said. Dr. Fauci has become like the new FDA. You bring the vaccine to him. If he says it's okay, it's okay. But we're going to ignore everybody at, these, at the major pharma companies. We're going to ignore everybody in the FDA whose job this is, public servants whose job this is. Dr. Fauci, the new FDA. Let's just fire everybody in the FDA. We don't need him anymore. Just bring it to Dr. Fauci if he says it's okay. Of course, he's the same person that said we shouldn't be wearing masks. He's the same person that said the virus is not going to be a big deal. We didn't have to worry about it. But now Dr. Fauci is the new hero. Why is he the hero? Because he has opposed Trump. Anybody that opposes Trump is a hero. Anybody that opposes Trump is infallible. That's the new normal here. Um, again, on epidemic. Um, there is an epi another epidemic in this country. And it's an epidemic of hate. It's an epidemic of vindictiveness. All against Trump and Trump supporters. So what we've seen is we've seen four years of this, what I call, fanatical obsession with hate of Trump and Trump supporters. And we've seen this from the media. I mean, it, it would, I, I would be, probably be going on for, for years discussing all the ones about Trump, how he's been unfairly treated by liberals, by Democrats, by the media, by big tech. But what we're seeing also now, and we've seen before too, is a vindictiveness against the 73 million Trump voters. Recently, a website went up, and it's been endorsed, or maybe it's come from several separate sources. A website went up called the Trump Accountability Project. It's been taken down, but the object of it is to cancel people that supported the 73 million people that supported President Trump, gave money to him, worked for him, voted for him, to shame them, to cancel them. Some of these people, if they're lawyers, they've been doxxed. So the object of that, has, of the Trump Accountability Project, has also been endorsed by Robert Reich, um, he is a former Obama cabinet, Obama Biden cabinet member, who is now a professor at Berkeley. So, what does he want? He wants vindictiveness and punishment of Trump and Trump supporters. Jen Rubin from the Washington Post, uh, one of the reporters whose name escapes me at MSNBC, punishing people for supporting President Trump. That's a very sad commentary on where we are as a country. We've got a vaccine that's been developed for the, the COVID virus. But is there a vaccine for the hate and vindictiveness that have been unleashed on Trump voters and on Trump supporters? I think not. So many times I've seen people 
harassing Trump supporters. I've seen even family members talking about someone walking through with a Trump hat in New York City. Who've uh, liberal family members who've said these people need to be someone should beat the shit out of him. Um, so this is this is this is a disease, and it's more pervasive than any of us know. And it's a danger to this republic. It's a danger to to our democracy. And um, in a future podcast, we'll discuss some other observations about this, about the enormous double standard that's been applied, depending on what your political viewpoint is. And this is really disturbing. And this really is the biggest threat to our republic that I've seen in my lifetime, and I'm 62 years old. In any event, thank you for listening, and I am looking forward to our next podcast next week. Take care.